0: Hello and welcome to the 90th episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast, and more importantly, let me be the first, well, I guess not the first, really just the latest person, to wish you good luck and best wishes in your new role here at Denver 7 News. You are now a big deal. Actually, you know what, I guess you are kind of my boss. Not your boss. In a weird way. Certainly not your boss. Um, well, Well, you are part of the management team now because you are now the new Nightside Evening Executive Producer. Well done, sir. Well done. Joseph Peters, by the way, pedestrian advocate, Denver 7. And new Executive Producer of the Evening Newscast and member of the Executive Management Team here at Denver 7 News.
1: I am a suit now. Yeah, even though you're not wearing one. I am real corporate right now. Nor will you probably ever wear one. No, I'm going to continue the Ashton Kutcher look as long as possible.
0: You want to borrow one of my suits?
1: <laughs> I have a wedding to go to. I, I was going to ask you about that off air, but <laughs> now that we're having the conversation.
0: Well, uh, when we first started the show, we recorded the show We used to, like at 7 o'clock in the morning, because you were the morning show, 6 a.m. producer. Correct. And so right after the show, we would come up here into the little shoebox studio, and re- re- we'd record the show. And then now then you move to the 6 p.m. news. We now mm-hmm. record at around 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, and then I do some fancy editing work, and then we uh, drop the show later on on Wednesdays. But now we're going to have to move the recording time later on in the day to fit better with your schedule. Correct. Um, but we will still be producing this program. On a well, weekly basis.
1: And we'll be right there in your Apple iTunes podcast section every Wednesday when you're driving home from work, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the way, that's that. the way I plan it. There we go.
0: I'll just be working extra hard during the afternoon hours to do the editing um, now that you are going to be coming in in a later time for us to record the show.
1: If you do what you love, is it really work?
0: No. No. It isn't. Um, maybe one day I'll be doing what I love.
1: <laughs> oh! Just...
0: <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> well, anyway, and we're going to start recording, I think, late. uh, uh late. Well, I guess you're gone next week, aren't you? I mean, you're going to be gone, I think. Where, where, where are you going and what are you up to?
1: I will be in Rhode Island, then Atlantic City, New Jersey, then Philadelphia, then Connecticut, then Vermont, then back to Rhode Island, then back in Denver. Wow.
0: We better get some stories. East Coast, here we come. I guess so. You're going to bring back some of that... Uh, what is it? The uh, beaver butt juice whiskey, right? Correct. Uh,
1: excretion, I think is the word. <laughs> beaver excretion whiskey.
0: Oh, excretion! Can I not say butt juice on the podcast? Ah, you can say that too. Okay, good. Uh, well, congratulations again. Um, you know, it's been nice for you to see you go from the morning show to the evening show, and now, and now you're the big EP of the evening newscasts, and you know. Thank you very much. Eventually, what you're going to be assistant news director. You're going to be
1: why assistant.
0: Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> I see the shot has been fired.
1: Well, that's that's still a long way away. But not necessarily here,
0: but, you know, somewhere.
1: L- look, long term, I mean, the goal is to make this channel's 10 p.m. news the best, and I think we're already there, and now it's just a matter of putting it in cement, rather than just, like, having it be a question every day.
0: I believe you mean concrete. If you're putting in cement, it would just be a fine, powdery-like substance.
1: Then yes, I mean concrete. <laughs> <laughs> You're, have I not taught you anything from this show? Oh, Chase! Nothing.
0: <sighs> well, anyway, anyway, there you go. You are the big boss. Scares me a little bit. Scares me.
1: We will continue recording in this tiny studio for the next twenty years. So, well, no, how about no twelve? How
0: about twelve years? Because then Jolene is out of school. And well, she she'll be going to college by then, and then I'm going to be a bar, bartender in Key West. So
1: I picture you following the same career path as Kid Rock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have a couple of albums and then live off the royalties exactly. for the rest of my life. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Mount Pleasant, Michigan police officers were dispatched to a gas station for a report of a retail theft. Okay. While they were en route, dispatchers informed officers the suspect had left in a blue Toyota Corolla with the personalized license plate that reads, Your Mom! (laughs) Spelled Y-R-M-O-M. Your Mom. (laughs) What an adult. After the police officers had to pull over because they were laughing so hard, they did finally arrive. The store manager said she reviewed the security cam footage and saw a woman in the novelty items area who stole LED tweezers, which shine a little light towards the pincers, and a unicorn pen, a total value of (laughs) $9.96.
1: So we have a couple of middle school age thieves.
0: Officers found the woman and unfortunately arrested her. She had recently been released from jail on drug charges. But she still has the most epic license plate or at least was riding around in a car, the blue Toyota Corolla, with a license plate that reads, Your Mom.
1: She also had the most tricked-out pair of tweezers, apparently, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At least as long, before she was arrested for stealing them. All right, last week we talked
0: about how we both love traffic circles. We just love them so much. We sure do. <laughs> I know that you agree with me, that they are so great that the Denver Public Works Department has also decided that they are so great that they're going to install several in some of the neighborhoods around the city, including the first one at three locations along West 35th Avenue in West Highland. There you go. They, they, it, it, is, it is catching on from Europe to the United States to downtown Denver. The roundabout, the traffic circle is here. Well, yay! traffic
1: circle revolution.
0: Now, Public Works is going to evaluate and monitor this new traffic calming uh, treatment, is what they call it, a traffic treatment. Traffic calming (laughs) treatment. Five times fast. Is that ridiculous? A little bit. They want to see how it helps uh, prioritize bike travel and pedestrian travel in the area and makes it safer. Now, these neighborhood roundabout or traffic circles, if you will, are made of these temporary materials, including rubber curbing, signage, and, and striping. Uh, but you know they're going to come back in the spring with, with like the real materials, with the concrete, and make them permanent. They say the temporary circle is going to allow the city to monitor how they affect traffic flow and enhance the visibility of people on bikes and people crossing the intersection on foot. Now, if the traffic circles are shown to be effective among these corridors... At these locations, Denver Public Works is looking to do permanent facilities and put them all around the city. There you go. The traffic circle coming
1: to Denver. Well, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you put the temp stuff out there with the expectation of putting the real thing out there in a few months, right? Like, if you expect it to calm traffic, the most logical time for it to calm traffic is the first three or four months of operation when nobody is used to the dang thing.
0: They also want to see how well it does in the snow, now that's going to be a matter of the plow drivers and how they are going to treat this thing. If they're not just going to completely just run right over it, because it's going to be covered, because it's this temporary deal, and these these rubber what are I guess rubber curbs, if you will, uh, or or bags are are placed there, and, and they're no more
1: than what a couple of inches high, maybe right. no more than six inches. Right. Right. I mean, well, they're not really that tall, and t- I mean. On the other hand, it's a lot of fun to drive in circles, and I'm sure the plow drivers will appreciate the opportunity to Zamboni this traffic circle. Yes. No, I,
0: I think they're going to run right over it and just scrape the thing into oblivion. I, that's what I would like to, uh, on our, uh, maybe you put this into your, now that you're a big-time executive producer, put this in the uh, planning section of oh. the whatever we do. I don't know how we do that because I'm not involved. So, uh, but put that, whatever the first snow happens, let's see what happens
1: with the plow drivers if they just plow right through it. The best part about being everybody's boss is that now I get more unsolicited ideas that I'm not interested in. (laughs) Perfect. There you go.
0: I I will continue to feed you more of these unsolicited ideas. Thank you. That you can choose to put in the round receptacle, if you so choose. Or the roundabout receptacle. That would be even better. Uh, Is it too much of a chore to take a credit card out of your wallet or purse? Yes. Yes. And, and then take said credit card and put it into that specially designed slot at the gas station um, and then pull it out quickly when it asks you. I mean, that seems like it's a pretty easy task.
1: Uh, you know, I mean, a couple steps more than necessary, but generally pretty simple.
0: There are even some that have the little card reader and you just even hold up your, your credit card right to the side of the gas pump
1: and you don't even have to put it in and swipe. Well, you don't even have to pull out your wallet if you have it on your phone. You can just scan your phone and you're good to go. Well, it seems very
0: complicated and something that could be improved on, apparently. As General Motors is now working on this new service, coming to a GM car near you. It's called the Onboard Marketplace, where you can pay for gas without even having to take out your wallet. GM has teamed up with Shell, Exxon, and Mobil to have what they say is the first in-dash fuel payment system. Oh, okay. All you do is you have to pull up to the pump, you just tap on the gas station logo that, that pops up on your screen there in the middle of the dash, and then you choose the pump location so it knows where you are. It generates some kind of an access code that you use then to activate the pump. So I guess instead of pulling out your card and you, and, and out of your wallet and sliding it in there, now you're going to have to remember some kind of a code to, pump to, to put into the pump.
1: Here's what's more alarming to me is that they figured out how to wireless you between the gas station and tell you tell the gas station that you're there and how to make a payment but they have not figured out how to determine which pump you were at like i thought gps was better than that where they could say oh yeah you're at pump three instead of me having to tell it that i'm at pump three
0: we could have men walking on the moon but we can't put metal in the
1: microwave that's true too
0: this is where it really gets real for you joseph you can actually buy coffee at Dunkin' Donuts using this onboard marketplace as well. You just pull up to the Dunkin' Donuts, use your payment system in the car, and you have coffee right there in your little hands. Amazing. Unnecessary. Technology! Why? Like yeah. why? Because everybody wants to make it as easy as possible. They want to have your phone, or your car in this case, be your wallet that is amazing
1: and i was not asking for this
0: that's well nobody was asking for any of this but they're giving it to you anyway you can actually book restaurant reservations and hotel rooms from your car as well i mean you're going to be able to do everything pretty much with your car that you could do with your phone you're going to have all these apps on there, all the connectivity. Now, you're going to have to figure out a way to connect your car because it's going to have to have internet connection, so you're going to have to pay for that whatever service for your
1: car. Well, and you're not going to use a touchscreen. You're just going to shout at it like Siri, right? Probably. Like make me a reservation at uh, Giovanni's, and all of a sudden I have a reservation at Giovanni's.
0: Already two million vehicles have access to it. Is that a good restaurant? I don't know. Never heard of it. Uh, but GM plans to make it available to millions more across all of its brands. So there you go. Technology making us lazier and lazier where you don't even have to eventually get out of your car to get gasoline in it. Well. That's the way of the world, my friend. That's the way of the world.
1: This is all happening way too fast.
0: Just last week, Joseph, we were talking about how ride share companies are servicing lower income neighborhoods in Los Angeles that aren't being served by cabs for the most part. Well, now there is this story from AAA where, according to them, ride-hailing services are not a cost-effective replacement for vehicle ownership. In fact, they have a new study out that says using uh, Uber or Lyft all the time could actually cost you on average of $20,000 every year. And wow. that is, as, as we know from, from talking about it many times here on the podcast, you can actually own or lease a car for much less than that. Mm-hmm. To talk more about this study by AAA, we're joined by Skylar McKinley. He's the Director of Public Relations and Government Affairs for AAA Colorado. Skylar, thanks for being here on the Driving You Crazy podcast.
2: That's not the first time I've driven you crazy, Jason, so I appreciate you (laughs) having me on.
0: (laughs) How did AAA come up with this conclusion that ride-sharing is more expensive than owning a vehicle?
2: And and really it's kind of surprising because I think with the the rise of ride hailing apps we think, oh, I don't need a car anymore. So we looked into everything that it costs to own a car. That's gonna be the cost of fuel, the cost of insurance, the cost of registration, what you pay for the car and maintenance and so on and so forth. And then we looked at the cost of if you're the average car owner, how many miles do you drive if you live in an urban area? Well, we compared those two costs of the per mile cost for ride hailing and the cost to own a vehicle, and you're exactly right car came out on top, it's almost twice, it's more than twice as expensive rather to just use Lyft or Uber um, than to actually own and operate your own own automobile.
0: Now, for many lower-income people who live in some high-density areas, they are usually served by public transportation. That's usually what they... What they take to get around. Now there is a trend, though, in some of these areas, like we talked about last week, where people are using ride sharing more and more because it just is more convenient for them, even though it might cost them a little bit more. At least it solves their first mile, last mile problem, and, and everybody likes convenience. So, should these people actually be looking at buying or leasing a car rather than trying to take public transportation or taking these ride shares?
2: I think that if you get into the R data. Uh, public transportation remains the cost effect key. And for first mile, last mile, that's where Lyft and Uber have solved the problem, which is that public transportation hasn't always been personalized. The difference is, though, if you find yourself using these Lyft and Uber apps as your your sole mode of transportation, or more than you're using public transportation, basically if you're traveling around 10,000, 11,000 miles per year on these apps, which adds up pretty quickly, then, then it's probably time to consider buying an automobile because you're not getting anything out of that investment to lift an Uber.
0: Are these cost figures, you think, similar? You were just talking about the mileage there. For a guy like me who lives not in the city center, Joseph lives in the city center, mm-hmm. does a lot of walking around right. town, but, but I live out in the boonies 20 miles away. So it, it, is it the same kind of uh, cost-effectiveness or no?
2: It would cost you, Jason, way more to use Lyft or Uber exclusively. So we designed this study around really urban cores. So it's cities like Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and really living in the urban core. Twenty miles out, you might still be loosely involved in that, but it's really for folks who, even if you're living in the heart of Denver as I do, we still think you use about 11,000 miles of of automobile travel a year. And then if you live further out and you have a a longer commute or you're a heavy driver, then then it becomes even more impractical to use Lyft over just go ahead and and, and purchasing an automobile.
1: Help me understand. So how many people generally do put 11,000 miles worth of Lyft rides on the calendar every year? I mean, that that feels like, at first blush, a number... For somebody who's an extremely heavy user and not your average person, I, I just guessing and not having access to the data that you'd have, I would guess that the average person is only putting about two thousand miles a year on a lift if they're doing that as a mix with public transportation.
2: And that's right, as a mix, you're you're exactly right. Um, it's between two and five, and really is more cost effective around that three thousand mile level. But what we did is we took the average, the aggregate of about. 250,000 economy-level single-rider single trips in, in 20 of these U.S. urban areas. These aren't Lyft lines or Uber pools. They're, they're single-rider trips. And I live in downtown Denver, too, and my average trip is actually, it's like you know, it's five bucks and, and a couple miles. But the average trip um, is $13.15 per trip, um, spending 15 minutes in a car and going about seven miles. And that's the average trip among these 250,000 rides we looked at. Now, if we expanded that into someone who's a Lyft-exclusive traveler, that's where we're getting that, um, that, that $20,000 figure and that 11000 mile figure. Um, at 11000 is specifically from what we know about how much people generally have to travel per year, even if they live in an urban area, that includes vacation and, and having to rent a car and that sort of thing. Now, a good question, though, that you just raised is, is somebody who uses Lyft and Uber exclusively less likely to travel that amount, that probably will be true in the long run. But right now we don't have that kind of data.
0: We're talking with Skylar McKinley. He's the director of public uh, relations and government affairs for AAA Colorado about their new study that says it's cheaper to own or lease a car rather than use rideshares. So I, I thought it was interesting as I was reading through the study that the highest cost for ridesharing by a long margin was both uh, Boston and Nashville. I mean, there are big differences in the makeups of those two cities, and big makeup differences in the way people get around those cities. So, why was the cost of ride sharing so similar? You think?
2: Our understanding on, on looking at the aggregate data is basically how Lyft and Uber operate, which is in this kind of free market bubble. In Boston, it costs a lot to get around because not a ton of drivers want to drive you during rush hour, or they will, but they'll only do it at a high cost. There's also not a lot of drivers in Nashville as compared to even somewhere like Pittsburgh, relative to their traffic patterns. So it's, this is where Uber and Lyft—they've built their whole business model among well, prices will go up if, uh, if if traffic goes up or demand or goes up, and but then the rider ultimately pays for that.
0: And has there been any pushback from cities that are dealing with congestion issues, like Denver, saying that having people buy more cars are going to add to that congestion? Because the theory is, if everybody's using rideshare, there are fewer cars on the road, less congestion. If more people are buying a car or leasing a car, owning one, then you're going to have more congestion on the roads.
2: Well, that's an interesting question. And we just saw New York City passing some regulations looking at Uber and Lyft because what they say is actually more use of these ride-hailing apps leads to more cars in areas where cars weren't before. So I think the big question is, are we encouraging people to buy cars and use them if we're or discouraging them to use Lyft or Uber? Or are we bringing Lyft and Uber into areas where people might otherwise be choosing public transportation or something like those line scooters? I at the end of the day, I'm not encouraging anybody to get a car if it doesn't make sense to them. And if on the, the financials it makes sense to them, maybe they should look into it. But really the the great thing about Uber and Lyft is this mobility myth. And when we're looking at these services, I think the takeaway from this study is Nothing should be your exclusive means of getting around. If you own a car, you're not going to drive at all times. Sometimes I drive to work, drive home, and take a line scooter and go meet friends elsewhere in the city. Um, that That's the real takeaway, is that you don't want to be lifted over exclusive to or cost you. And then I don't know anybody who's car exclusive.
0: I pretty much am.
1: You certainly are.
0: I am I am <laughs> pretty much all car exclusive. Um it depends on, on which car. It's my car or my wife's car, but it's, but it's always pretty much a car.
1: Well, and I'm the, exactly the opposite. I'm car agnostic. So it's either walking or taking one of the Lime scooters that Skylar just mentioned or an Uber and a Lyft or public transportation or a mix. And for the first time the other day, I, I used the first mile, last mile, took the train six miles, and then took a Lyft the last mile, and I found it really convenient. So I think, as Skylar was saying, that mix is really what's so important to actually cut your costs in the long run.
2: The one big thing I'll add, too, on this is that so we think it, it's, if we're talking about Lyft exclusivity or Uber exclusivity compared to a car, it's not twice as expensive to use it, Uber or Lyft exclusively. It's more than three times as expensive if you get free parking at work and at home. So we also factored in parking costs, and parking costs in major cities are pretty significant. If you take those out because you have free parking, like, I think, Jason, you get to park in the studio for Uh free, right? Yeah. Um, It's going to be even cheaper for you to drive over over taking Uber and Lyft. But, again, it it just really has a lot to do with who you are as a person and and your habit.
0: Skylar McKinley with AAA, thanks a lot for being on the Driving a Crazy podcast.
2: Thanks, guys. Yeah, stay safe out there.
0: Even so, with this study from AAA, I believe rideshare is here to stay. I still think it's a good idea, like you just said. To have a mix, um, and that's the way it's going to go, and I, I don't see rideshare ever going away.
1: Well, and that, that mix is so important. The 11,000 miles a year figure on Uber and Lyft, yeah, that's going to be really expensive. That's yeah. not, that, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. I did also, that last point you made was so funny because I was just reading a study that said if companies want to lean on their employees to drive less, they should charge them for parking.
0: And we I, talked about this. I don't know what was it, forty episodes or yeah, ago? Yeah, a
1: long time ago. And I just read about it again. It is fascinating. And Jason, I think if they told you you had to pay fifty dollars a month to park here, you would quit because well, I don't, I don't know about <laughs> quitting,
0: but I might, I would definitely find a different way to park my car because we were talking about it becoming a taxable uh, asset mm-hmm. uh, if you are able to park here because there are people like you who are walking here. And I am getting a benefit, an added benefit, by parking here and not having to pay street parking or a private lot parking. And so, therefore, I'm actually getting a little bit more of an added bonus if you want to take it all the way down to the, the business level.
1: I'm actually getting a little bit more money than you are because of the parking, the free parking. Well, because you think about all the money that our company is missing out on by not being able to charge the whatever for parking out there. And, and
0: then, Yeah, and then you guys like you should actually get some kind of a benefit, maybe an extra couple of dollars in your paycheck or maybe some... Uh, other incentive. i think it should be several thousand dollars in my paycheck <laughs> but that's neither here nor there well there you well there you, i think you could talk to mr or mr. S- mrs scripps about that what do you think mrs scripps <laughs> mrs scripps okay she probably makes all the decisions don't you think without a doubt exactly well coming up should it count as work if you are checking or responding to your work emails while you're commuting absolutely well we're gonna look at that as there's a new study out about that and so much more as the driving you crazy podcast continues
2: More of the Driving You Crazy podcast coming up. My favorite person to work with on the morning show. I mean, I like every... You can't do that to me. I just did. I like everybody for different reasons. I have to say that... Lisa and I have definitely formed a really fun bond. Of course, you know, anything with Lisa is highly entertaining. Uh, If you've ever ridden with her in a car, it's slightly terrifying. I think the first time I went to Core Power with her, she was telling me how she had gotten in an accident. And then coincidentally, as she was parking, she got in another accident (laughs) as we were outside of Core Power. So um, we have gotten to know each other really well and definitely formed a great friendship. Molly Hendrickson, only on Denver 7.
0: You know, I love having Molly uh, as part of our morning show. You know, she's been here for about six years, but having her on the show, is she, she's full of energy. I mean, she's energetic, she's fun, uh, she knows what she's doing, and it's just nice to have her on on this dark side. Because we've got two dark sides here at the station. This is the morning show dark side. It's the better of the two.
2: Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7.
0: It's a halfway home for broken souls. I know it's tough, but if it matters all that much, I'll get the door. Just leave your bags because it doesn't matter who you we Welcome back to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast hosted by me, the Traffic Guy, and my new boss, the Nightside EP, Joseph Peters. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you seem so excited about this new position. Oh no, I am. I'm very excited. I just, you know, you got to play it cool. Been there before. Oh, it's is like that what it is? Touchdown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, like, like you, all those touchdowns I've scored yeah, in my life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now my favorite reaction when I tell people about this show cuz people have asked me about this show and and when I tell them about this show, they say, "Oh, that is such a great idea." But they never then ask me how they can listen to it. I mm. give that unsolicited uh, uh way to, to do all that which which you can just Search every, and obviously you're listening now on your favorite podcast app, but you can listen to it on all podcast apps, as well as just searching on the old Google there, Driving You Crazy Podcast.
1: Well, and that's what's funny about the Driving You Crazy Podcast, is if you search for the Driving You Crazy Podcast on Apple Podcasts, we are the only thing that comes up. Exactly. There's no excuse for you to search for us and not find us.
0: There isn't. There is some other crazy stuff where if you search crazy, or I think driving, but if you're driving you crazy boom, we're there. That's because there are a lot of podcasts for crazy people,
1: but not a lot of podcasts for <laughs> transportation-minded people.
0: And I actually promoted the, the uh, podcast this morning on the old uh, Denver 7 broadcast uh, morning show, and I, I was pretty much ridiculed by the folks in the studio.
1: I just want you to know that we need to start putting you out there as a traffic expert on other podcasts. It is time for other people to interview Jason Luber. That is,
0: a, that, that is exactly right. You know, the last time... I actually cuz I uh, we have now and did I tell you that we have a cat? No. Yes. Uh, breaking news. We I, I we have adopted a cat. So here's the deal. What's the cat's name? Señorita Whiskers. <laughs> it was that or Carlton Hankey Jr. Oh, my God. The kids came up with the name. They wanted the cat. They said, if we ever get a cat, the cat is going to be named Senor Whiskers or Carlton Hankey Jr. We ended up getting a girl cat, so we can't name it Senor Whiskers. So it has to be Senorita Whiskers because there's no way we're calling a cat Carlton Hankey Jr.
1: (laughs) I don't know where they came up with that name, but that's the name they picked. How long have they been telling you that this will be the name of the cat? Oh, for a year. Why did you get them the cat then?
0: Because they went to the National Baton Twirling Championships. And when they did that, I said, I made a promise. And I said, look, if you win something, either of you or both of you win something, I'll get you a cat. Guess Um what? They won something. Should have gone with a dog, man. You <laughs> no. can't give a dog a name like that. So, the, I had to stay true to my promise, and we got a cat. And and I'll show you. She and so the point of this whole story was because I mentioned Senorita Whiskers has her now own Instagram account. And if you want, <laughs> and so I mentioned Senorita Whiskers. On TV and mentioned that she has her own Instagram account, Senorita Whiskers, and then all of a sudden,
1: boom, she got a bunch of followers. That's incredible. (laughs) Who's managing the account? Me. Okay. I'll show you pictures later. What do you call her for short? Whiskers. Why not Senorita?
0: I wanted to call her that's Whiskey. Too many syllables. I wanted to call her Whiskey,
1: but that's it. Hey, Whiskey, come no, here. <laughs> I, I Do it, man. Just do it. That cat's new name is Whiskey. Whiskey. You can, Anything more than two syllables is too long, man. Yeah, Whiskers. Jason, Joseph, Whiskey. Exactly. Yeah. Th- that actually sounds like a pretty good time.
0: <laughs> Jason, Joseph, Ow. and Whiskey. Now, we like getting feedback, and we recently received an email to the Driving You Crazy Mailbox. That has me a bit perplexed. Now, if you want to send a question or compliment (laughs) to us, you can. The address is drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. Now, this is the email message from Ron Alper. Ron says, why does the traffic broadcast map show red-green traffic flow when 8% of men are red-green colorblind? This means we can't see the difference. That from Ron Alper. Well, Jason... Defend yourself. Well, the the best part is when Ron tagged his email with his name and the phrase "live each day."
1: Mm. So been live each day, <clears throat> just like you are.
0: Good <laughs> bed. Well, this is how I would answer, good old Ron, because I didn't really send him back an email because I, I I didn't think that was going to be productive. So I'll address Ron here and now. I guess you are one of the eight percent, Ron of men who are red, green, colorblind, because otherwise you probably wouldn't have asked that question. And frankly, I'm more concerned that you cannot see the difference between the red and the green traffic signals, actually the ones that are on the road, than the green and red colors on my traffic map. I mean, I, I don't want to see too dismissive here, but,
1: but I don't have a solution for you, Ron. You're being super dismissive. Though. I don't. Because the difference with a traffic light is that there's... At its base, there's a light bulb that goes off at the, on at the top, and that means stop. And when that light bulb goes away and the light bulb goes on at the bottom, that means go. What, right? if, so what even, if they're all out? So even, Then there's a bigger problem. <laughs> it's a four-way stop, right? So, I, I mean, in that scenario, there is at least some way to signal that there's a go and a stop. There are two different ways of communicating that. There's just one that not a lot of people need to use because they're not red-green colorblind. As far as the lines on your traffic maps, I can see to his point why they would be completely useless. They're probably all greys because that's what happens in red-green colorblindness. I don't know if you know this, but a few years ago, the Bills played the Jets on Thursday night football, and they were doing their color rush promotion. So the Bills wore all red jerseys. The Jets wore all green jerseys. 8% of men are red-green colorblind and had no idea who was playing or who had the ball at a given time. It was one of the biggest catastrophes in NFL like recent broadcasting history.
0: And 98% of those 8% of men didn't care because it was the Jets and the Bills.
1: Correct. (laughs) And it was Thursday night. Uh, But I I, I think he has a point that's more valid than you're giving it credit for. Although I also don't know that there's a solution because that red-green is so ingrained in people's minds that I don't know that there's a better way to communicate good and bad on a traffic map. Exactly. Because it's
0: common with traffic. Um, it, that's the way you you know that the stop light is supposed to be and stop sign are supposed to be red. Green means go, red means stop. So that's why the traffic maps have green, red, and and yellow. That's basically why they have it. You're exactly right. I don't I, I don't know if there's a solution. And and then do are we are we then bowing down? That's not quite the right word. Are we then? Uh, what's the right word for this?
1: Let me, let me save you from this one. I think that shifting to like a blue and a black, right? Like a light blue and then just a black if it's bad. There's nothing wrong with that and it's more inclusive. And I think your goal uh, is to reach as many people as possible, right? And so well, yeah. if, there, if there's one way of doing it that excludes 8% of men, 4% of the population, and there's another way that doesn't exclude those people, maybe that's the way we should be doing But so Are we
0: ignoring then the 92% uh, of men who can see the red and green? Are we putting the eight percent above the needs of the ninety-two? Didn't Spock have this uh, diatribe one time? I guess it was more of a speech as he was in some kind of a nuclear reactor, kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And he was as he was talking to Kirk. You have no idea what I'm talking about.
1: Uh, Star Trek. Yes, yes, that's it. That's all I know. Yes, I, I heard Spock's name. Oh, the wor- <laughs> What
0: were the needs of the uh, of the many? Are out- uh, outlaw outlaw outweigh? The needs of the one or the few.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I just think colors on a traffic map is such a low stakes thing that I do think it's worth pursuing a solution that works for this guy. But
0: even Google uses these colors. Now they do throw in black Google if it's really, really, really bad. Yes, they Google do. Google Maps on my
1: phone is yellow, red, and blue. Right. So if no, you're red, green. They color use green, green, yellow, mm-hmm. and red.
0: yes, they do. No, it's yes, blue no, when it's no, going. No, it's not black. blue. Yes. Maybe you're one of the eight. They, take take a look. I'll I'll fire up one of my phones here and you could take a look. I mean, maybe I should change them to orange, yellow and blue. Maybe we could have a bl- a colorblind group come in and then pick out new colors for the map. But I think changing the colors at this point would probably make the other 92% of men really mad and and there's more of them than there are of the
1: 8% of the color blinding. I don't think you change both. I just think you change one. And you're right. Google is green, yellow, and red. My bad. But I think if you change the green to a blue, then you at least can tell the difference between the blue and the gray that shows up when you're looking at a red, and that kind of solves a problem for everybody. I can't do that. I know you can't. These maps come the way they... they unless I you know have to go to the do developer. Donald? Woo. Donald Trump. You think so? I don't think he can do it either. I think Trump should do this, and I think he should change all the speed limits to metric. <laughs> We're just going to go full-on metric system now? Make America great and metric again. I think we never were metric
0: in the first place. The only way we were ever metric is when you're buying a two-liter bottle
1: of Coke. You've been to Canada, right? Or one of those countries oh, yes. where they measure gas uh-huh. in liters. Yes. And you look at it, you're like, this is a great, this is a terrible deal. <laughs> yes, of
0: course it is. But especially because you're driving in Canada. Uh, or because I've driven in the uh, Caribbean, and they do the, buy the liters down there as well. That's a lot worse than driving in Canada. Way worse. So I, so I, I guess my my final point to Ron is you're going to have to continue to live life each day, just without knowing where the slowdowns are on my broadcast map. Live, live, each day. <laughs> Sorry, Ron. I, I don't I, I don't know if there's a good solution to this to this method because the ninety-two outweigh the needs of the eight. I guess, but that's not the way our society is going now our society is going we just had a story this morning about a a clean room for kids who have peanut allergies going to a baseball game and the kids i understand that there are a lot of kids and we talked about the nut allergies well, with you your about friend the nut right? allergies so yep. they it's, but you, but baseball is I, I mean
1: the seventh inning stretch sing the song If you can't enjoy baseball without peanuts, isn't that a problem with baseball, not a problem with peanuts? No, I
0: can enjoy a game without peanuts. However, there are a lot of people who can't. And the peanut, you can't, you know, it's just, do you
1: take peanuts away from all baseball games because of the few kids who have a peanut allergy? Here's what I'll say. All the people who can't enjoy baseball without peanuts will be in nursing homes in five years anyway, and this will be a much different conversation.
0: (sighs) Okay. How do you feel about uh, seeing cars with their headlights on at all times?
1: I mean, that's pretty normal now, right?
0: My car does it. Yep. Not, not the full set of headlights, just some... There's like some side... I think they call them safety lights or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, that are on all the time. But the, the regular headlights only come on... And I have them on the automatic setting, only when it's dark enough or you're going through a tunnel or whatever. Um, but there are many people now in New Zealand who would like to see their government introduce a law saying drivers must keep their headlights on even during daylight hours. In Sweden... It's compulsory to drive with your headlights on at all hours of the day. And like New Zealand, Swedish roads are steep, they're bendy, they're icy in the winter. It's, it's, it's the winter here mm. um, that is a little bit more dangerous, obviously, than the summers here in Colorado. So I, we understand that. We have m- windy mountain roads that yes, can be icy. Yes, we do. Um, And so maybe it might not be a bad idea for the mountain drivers here, but some driving experts say the evidence is unclear that such a rule would actually result in any meaningful improvement to road safety. Others say it's worth a shot because it has become so much uh, more dangerous to drive now, not only in the United States, but also in New Zealand, especially since drivers there are notorious for leaving their headlights off when it's dark.
1: Then yes, we should probably pass a rule saying people in that country need to use their dang headlights. But I remember all the time, now
0: we have these automatic headlights, but there are still so many times where your car will still have the headlights on when you get out and you turn it off and then, boom, your battery's dead.
1: So what do you do about that problem? Well, I mean, shouldn't an auto manufacturer put in a headlight kill after four minutes or so? Maybe. Well, I, I, that's the thing.
0: I, we're we're going to have to let technology catch up to this, to any kind of uh, a potential law.
1: But look, there's a big difference between making this a law in Denver and making it a law in New Zealand, where apparently drivers have a problem with using their headlights. Yeah, like, the best way to correct a behavior is to make it a crime not to do that behavior.
0: Now, in one of the articles that I was reading, someone was saying that they didn't want to have the lights on all the time because it would cost more in gas. More in gas, really? Yes, I don't think so. I
1: don't know if you know how electricity works.
0: I do, I do. <laughs> but what, what? I mean, what's the price of gas in New Zealand? Two fifty. Let's say it's three dollars a gallon. Three dollars a liter. Let's let's, or it's, let's say it's three dollars a liter. Um, spelled with the. E at the end, right? Yes, correct. Litra. Um, uh, th- honestly, it's not going to be, you're not spending any money on keeping the headlights on in your car. That's not a real gas waster. I mean, really, the problem is going to be remembering to turn them off so you don't drain your $100 battery that's in your car. Correct. And you're not going to need to have the AAA, I don't know what it'd be in, in New Zealand, the triple Z, come out and uh, help jumpstart your car. Triple Z, eh? I'm just guessing. Okay. I mean, if it can be like Ron Popeil has always said in his infomercials, if you can set it and forget it, then you're great. Like in my car, maybe those side little headlights, not the full headlights, maybe those would be compliant with this new law. Okay. Or at least you have some kind of lights on in the car and not even the full-on regular headlights that you would have on at night, right? I don't know. Do you know who I'm talking about when I say Ron Popeel? I have
1: no idea who that is. The
0: infomercial king.
1: It did Weird Al Yankovic write a song about him? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay.
0: He did the Pocket Fisherman.
1: No, no idea.
0: Chop-O-Matic? food dehydrator. I can assume. Mister Microphone. Is. Hair in the can. Remember, he had the hair in the can.
1: Have you ever used hair in a can, Jason?
0: No, I have never sprayed on hair. I have not needed that up to this point in my life. Fair enough. One of the major hazards of a job like ours, Joseph, is that we could work all day long. Um, because the demands of this job, and, and especially in your new role, the, these, these jobs could last forever and ever and ever. Really, I, I, could, I could do traffic stuff all day long. And that, that's not great, but, but it's something that I could do. Not that I want to do it, but I could do it. Now, from really eyes open to eyes shut, right? I have in my older age, though, have tried more and more to put the phone down, not check the email in the afternoon, But when I do that before, I have like 50 emails. I'll put the phone away,
1: and I'll just leave it be, but then, boom, in two hours, I got 50 emails. Right, but most of them are useless, right? Like, thanks for signing me up for all these mailing lists that I have no need for.
0: Some of them are, yeah. Now, there's a new study, though, from the Royal Geographical Society in the UK that shows that when commuters are given free Wi-Fi on a bus or train to and from work, they tend to use that connectivity to catch up with work emails, paving the way for the commute to be counted as work. Three very smart people, all with degrees of doctor from the University of the West of England. I'm not probably saying that in my proper British accent good enough. British. There you go. Cheerio. They've been analyzing. The doing up... this right now? They've been analyzing the uptake of free Wi-Fi on two major commuter railways into and out of London, to see how the passengers use free internet while they're sitting there on the train. Now, a total of 5,000 passengers were surveyed over a 40-week period, so they get some pretty good data here. Results show that internet access was as important for commuters, especially for the business traveler. Results show that internet access was very important for commuters, especially for business travelers. Over half of them that commute, they use that commute time to receive or send work-related emails. Many respondents expressed how they consider their commute as time to catch up with work before or after their traditional working day. And this transitional time also enabled people to switch roles, for example, from being a parent, getting the kids ready for school in the morning into a business person during the day. That's what one of the comments that these people had. Now, the researchers looked into Scandinavia to see how commuting time could be measured differently and found that in Norway, some commuters are able to count travel time as part of their working day. As they should. One of the authors said if travel time were to count as work time, there would be many social and economic impacts. It may ease commuter pressures on peak hours and allow for more comfort and flexibility around working times. However, it may also demand more surveillance and accountability for productivity. And I thought that was very interesting. Because what she's really saying here is instead of technology giving people more flexibility over, their, over what they do and, and, and how they do it, the study showed that people are working extra hours on top of their already long hours at the office.
1: Makes sense. I mean, right? I, I think that's a, something to be said for everybody who has a commute, right, is that you use that time to get yourself ready for the world.
0: Yes. Yeah. However, what if we could count that as work time? Because the findings really raise questions about the work-life balance and whether it is healthy to stretch out the working day with people routinely answering emails and doing other work-related tasks beyond the office hours. Maybe instead of them answering emails and doing work tasks, they should use that time to maybe catch up with, they could uh, FaceTime with their kids, get a little bit more FaceTime with their kids. They could use that to recreationally read a book. Um, they could use that time for vegging out on a TV show of some sort. So relax time,
1: me time, more than work time. I, I mean, it's just so hard to do when you're so close to the work day, though, right? It, when you're thinking about work and you're getting yourself ready for work, I think it's hard to say, let me take 30 minutes to read this book while I'm on the train.
0: Well, because now the journey has become part of the working day, and to some, it should be considered work for your employer and work by your employer while you're commuting, if you're working. There are some stories on this. We've seen, I, I know I've seen a CBS story about this where they were talking about how people who work on off uh, peak hours are then counting that as work. And then there are some companies who say at five o'clock on Friday, you are not allowed to check any work related emails, leave everything at the office. And if we catch you doing that, then there's going to be you're going to be reprimanded for that activity.
1: Good. That's the way it should be.
0: You know? So uh, do you think that the company, our company, should pay you overtime for doing work-related activity while you're not really working? Well, no,
1: but I think— Or here, I guess? Here's the tough thing. I think that you should find a way to shorten the workday so that your— commu- if, Like, if you have an eight-hour workday plus an hour commute each way— that's a problem, right? I mean, I think that employers should be working with employees to make it so if you're commuting an hour to work, and an hour from work, maybe you're only at the office for six and a half hours instead of eight. So that when you're using that time during your commute to do actual work or check emails or get caught up or whatever, you're getting credit for that yeah. and not extending your workday beyond what it maybe should be.
0: Exactly. That's At least that's what I think as well because I think if you're allowed to use the technology to work away from the office – then why can't you then maybe even uh, parlay that into non-traditional work hours? Like, like I used to with the helicopter, right? I used to do the split shift. Why not do some hours at home and then you do a couple hours at the office? You know what? Because that really is the only real way to end any kind of congestion on the highways. Because right now, everybody goes to work and comes back from work at about the same times. However... Let's say you had a group of people that would do some work at home until, let's say, 9 or 10 o'clock, then go to work until, let's say, you do six hours. Or you, you, So you're, you're breaking up your work day and also the commuting times because of the non-traditional working hours
1: and working times, and then you can
0: start evaporating some of the congestion that we see
1: on our roads. Let's be honest here. Most of us are going to be working from home within the next 30 years or so anyway. Or driving in the self-driving cars, right? Correct. But uh, the
0: one problem with all of this is because of the school day. Basically, the school day is, what, 8 to 3.30 or 4, and most parents have to drop off. Maybe it can be this way. Maybe we should have a working, regular working hours, like the, the old 9 to 5, mm-hmm. for working parents. And then we could have non-traditional working hours, maybe noon to 8 for single people or married people without kids. I'll tell you what. It certainly
1: feels like we do it that way now, anyway. Do you think so? Do you think you without kids are taken advantage of? I feel like the vast majority of people with children are working fairly normal nine to five jobs.
0: Yes, because their kids are going to school right. at eight o'clock, and then they have to get picked up by four or five. Yeah. Some schools, like my the school my kids go to, they have after school activities, so they could. It's not just like they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs. Right. I mean, they actually have after school activities, and they have the bands, or they have uh, sports leagues, or whatever they do. They do all kinds of different things. Um, but that maybe that's the only way to get rid of congestion, at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I hope so. All right. All right, then. I can see Jace Larson is... is like a shark. We've got a line developing.
1: Now. Do we really? We do. Nice. Shoebox Studio, people. Most popular place in Denver 7.
0: Well, there you go. I guess it's about time to wrap this thing up. So thanks again for being here as part of the podcast. If you want to send us an email or Twitter or whatever, there's always ways to do that. Just look on the uh, description of this podcast and you get all the ways to contact us. So until next time, I'm Jason Luper, the Traffic Guy. I
1: am colorblindness empathist, Joseph Peter. <laughs> Be safe and as always, happy motoring.